Welcome to the e-commerce momentum podcast, where we focus on the people, the products, and the process of e-commerce selling today. Here's your host, Stephen Peterson. Welcome back to the e-commerce momentum podcast. This is episode 434, Lloyd Knoll. Uh, Lloyd's a humble guy um, who, you know, probably puts himself down a little bit too much. Doesn't recognize the talent that I and others see in him almost like instantly. It's this stick-to-itiveness, stick-to-itiveness, I guess is the right word. Um, his ability to push past it, his ability to figure it out, his humbleness to accept that he doesn't know something, but willing to put in the work to figure it out um, in these times. And this is an interview I did quite a while ago, beginning of the pandemic, probably March or April, uh, maybe maybe later, I, I just don't remember. And it just, it struck me on how you know, how you can figure things out regardless of where you are. He has no choice. So guess what? He's going to succeed. Uh, huge Amazon seller, believe it or not, but with a pretty big retail store, perhaps another in the works. We get into all that. Um, but his ability to reach out to others, figure it out, invest, uh, go to training, figure it out, apply it, man, that's just a recipe for success. And so um, I'm very pleased um, that I did get the chance to speak with Lloyd. Now, before I jump into that episode, um, I do want to talk about next episode because it's me and it's going to be part of the new series that I'm kicking off on 50 plus years of selling. And the concept is to insert yourself where I started if you need to, right? So I'm 55, so I'll be the 55-year-old first one I interview of 55. And I started, I think our FBA went 2011, so prior to that, so whatever that would be, say, let's say 2008. So that's a pretty long time ago, 12 years, 12, 13 years. Okay, so that means somebody would need to be 42 or 43. And if you're 42 and you're sitting there saying, well, man, can I, can I figure this out? Can I make this happen? Well, then I'm a good example because I figured it out back then. And it might have taken me 12 or 13 years to hit, you know, the success level that we have. But when you start... Um, you know, you got 12 years to get there. Okay, if you didn't start for 10 years, then you only got two years. And so the concept is, is that you can insert yourself pretty much wherever you need to be or where you are, and you can see some people who started at that same age to get to the level of success that they have in the future. I guess hopefully that roundabout way of talking about it. The goal being is that you have to start, right? Just do it, as Lloyd says in this episode at the end. Just do it. So I'm going to give you some good examples. And I, like I said, I have a 78-year-old that I'm going to interview. And his uh, interesting approach to selling online uh, at 78, huge retail background, had multiple stores, has lots of real estate, but still can sell online today at 78. Doesn't even sign into a computer. But man, he's got a smartphone that he knows how to use. So anyway, I, I hope that that's going to be uh, a good uh, run of episodes. Uh, if you're looking for, uh, or if you're someone who would like to get interviewed, message me, pri private message me. Um, I'm looking for people. And again, I'm more about the story. Um, the success is relative. You know, I still think back to um, one of the guys I interviewed who was just making 20 grand a year so he could go do his dream job. That's awesome. That's a life well lived. And so, you know, uh, sales are relative. Uh, profit is relative to what you're trying to do with it. And so I think that in these trying times, I'm hoping to give you some glimpses of uh, shining lights out there that you too can take advantage of. Okay, so don't want to take away from Lloyd. Let's get into the podcast. Welcome back to the e-commerce momentum podcast. Excited about today's guest. 
because I think I think you know we're all e-commerce sellers. Most people listening to this, um, they think that that's the way. And my guest today has a brick and mortar, but has a big e-commerce presence. And I'm interested to find out how he's leveled off there, if he has leveled off. It'll be interesting to hear. Lloyd Noel. Welcome, Lloyd. Good morning. Well, good morning to you. Um, am I accurate in saying that, that you kind of leveled off uh, brick and mortar and e-commerce? I mean, is that is that kind of correct? Mm. Well, I don't know. You know, I, I I feel like I'm learning every day. And mm-hmm. brick and mortar is, uh, I have to give you, a, give you a little backstory, I guess. You know, we really came into this industry backwards. We started on e-commerce, uh, just trying to figure it out. And uh, from there, uh, five years later, then we opened up a brick and mortar. And then from there, we discovered Amazon. Um, so it has been, uh, brick and mortar is definitely a, uh, it's a struggle. And it is very intriguing to me. And I am, uh, I am bound and determined I'm going to figure retail out. <laughs> well, that's interesting to me. So I want to unpack. There's a whole bunch to unpack there. So you were doing e-commerce, not Amazon. What were you selling, like eBay or on your own website? Uh, well, we were actually eBay sellers for uh, five years and still are today. But okay. that's actually where we got started in the uh, e-commerce space. Okay. And so, so you were there. You were having success. What led you to – whose bright idea was it that we need a brick and mortar? Well, I thought that if I had a brick and mortar, I had achieved the uh, the top of the iceberg, if you will. I made it. You, that was it. That was that was the whole goal. Where now you know it's the opposite. <laughs> yeah, and I thought you know I, I came from a background in direct sales, and it's interesting because um, uh, having a pre conversation, uh, you had, you had mentioned that uh, um, sometimes we learn out of our failures, and I, I had a. Uh, some failures uh, that led up to getting into e-commerce. You're not alone. Uh, I came through a uh, came through a divorce. I destroyed a business. Um, made lots of mistakes, and found myself uh, empty pockets, uh, empty life, and uh, kind of living on the skids. Uh, but uh, I was able to uh, work through that, and e-commerce uh, actually gave me a uh, gave me a jump start. Empty life that hurts. That, ah. That's that's painful, right? I mean, that's that's that really cuts, doesn't it? Uh, yeah, yes, it it, it did. But I, I tell you, um, and I and I tell this to my children a lot that I do not, I don't look back on that with. Uh, uh, obviously, I look back with some regrets, wishing I had done things differently. But I don't look back on it as a uh, uh, as an obstacle. I, I, I look at it as a learning lesson, and I use a lot of those lessons uh, to guide me uh, today. I uh, make different decisions based off of having been completely down and out um, and not wanting to be back in that place ever again. So kind of guardrails, right? I've heard right. Andy Stanley use that phrase, and I've always thought that that's like safe, you know, put some guardrails, some absolutes, lines in the sand where I'm not willing to cross. Correct. Hmm. But, you know, Part of our, converse, our pre-conversation, you're a risk taker, Lloyd. You are one of those guys that's really willing to bet it all on seven, or some of it on seven, most of it. I am, and I think I eternally will be that way. I, uh, I, I consider myself an eternal optimist. Hmm. Uh, I have a really hard time finding. Uh, it's. I don't like to look for the bad in people. I always look for like to look for the good in people. When I wake up in the morning, I like to wake up excited because you don't know what opportunities are going to present themselves that day. And uh, 
I, yeah, I, I just have a, I have a positive outlook on where things are going, I guess. And, uh, I, I use that, uh, a lot in my business, you know, um, I always figure that I'm going to figure out a way uh, to get it done. So there's no failure. How, how, where did that start? I mean, when you go back, when you look back, I mean, were you that guy in high school? Were you that enthusiastic? No. Did you grow up? Your parents like encourage you like, Lloyd, you could do it all. You're going to be president. You're going to be, you know, what was that? No, not at all. Uh, I come from a very conservative family, very conservative background. Um, grew up without radio and television. Uh, wow. Radio was very, uh, was restricted. Um, so it didn't come from my upbringing. I think it more so, I went through a, a 10 year span of uh, in direct sales. And when I first got recruited into direct sales, I was awful. Uh, complete, <laughs> uh, I'm a complete, uh, I rated really, really far right on the Myers-Briggs scale, complete introvert. Uh, and so I was forced to figure it out. Uh, when you put yourself in a in a home with a couple and you're trying to sell a product, right? It's, it's fight or flight. Um, you figure it out. And I kept hammering away at it, uh, until I, until I figured it out. And so I'm now I'm an extrovert. Uh, my wife calls me an extrovert. I still see myself as an introvert, but, um, it's by choice. You know, you put yourself in positions where you have to, uh, where you have to push yourself out of your comfort zone. And now I embrace that. I enjoy being pushed out of my comfort zone because I, I know that uh, if I am uncomfortable, I am probably in the right place. So, so I mean, let's help somebody here because there are a whole bunch of introverts in this business. I mean, that's one of the reasons that people are, are attracted to it because they can stay home. They can kind of keep to themselves. They can work by themselves. But when they do need to push past, I, it's funny. I was doing a uh, helping somebody on, uh, um, on a deal that they were doing. And, and I was very flattered that they asked me to help them negotiate the deal. And, you know, I guess I don't see that as a natural trait that I have, that I'm, I'm comfortable in that. But it wasn't always there. It's a learned trait, too. How do you help people push past that? Because you said you've been there. You've been that introvert who's forced to, had, had to do it to be successful. Do you still coach people on that? Like if you bring a salesperson in your store or whatever, how, how do you push that to push them out of that comfort zone? So it was interesting, you know. I was looking at our uh, the guide that you sent me on what we would be what we would be uh, discussing today, mm -hmm. and one of the one of the questions that was asked was, uh, "What is the best piece of advice I ever I ever received?" And in my direct sales career, when I was an introvert, um, my distributor, the the gentleman that was in charge of mentoring me and training me, uh, took us out golfing, and. Uh, I had never golfed in my life before. Oh, no. <laughs> and so I'm swinging this club, uh, taking these huge divots out of the, out of the uh, golf course and throwing my back out, and I cannot hit that little white ball. And my distributor hollers out at me. He's like, just hit the freaking ball. And I swung and smacked that sucker, and it went flying. And, you know, really... One of the books I just recently read was A Message to Garcia. And really, I, I, I think that is one of, the, uh, one of the pieces of advice that I, that I hold on to the most, is that sometimes you just have to do. You have to do the thing. It's an action. Right? Uh, shoot for the stars or shoot for the moon, you end up with the stars. The key word is shoot. Um, just sometimes you have to be willing to hit the ball. Um, it's interesting because I'm doing, we're doing a lot of Facebook marketing 
uh, where I'm doing Facebook videos now. I trying love to your get... videos, by the way. I've been watching them. I'm like, hey, I know him. And... Yeah, and I and I stress before these videos, and I have to I, I have to dial it back and remind myself sometimes that uh, because and even even for this call, I got really nervous for this call. Man, what am I going to talk about? Uh, I don't see myself as somebody who uh, is very influential, uh, but it, it, what I've learned is that my humanity is what um, people appreciate, right? So it's you, attractive. You yourself, yeah, you put yourself out there and you make mistakes and people realize that you're human and that part of your humanity, the, the fact that you're willing to fail is really is what people are attracted to. Uh, you haven't had a man tell you you're attractive yet this morning. I'm the first one. I, I'm going to go on record with that. But it, it is. There is something special about that. And, you know, what I have found is, you know, I've talked to hundreds of very successful sellers like yourself. And there is something each one has. They bring their own thing to the game. And they don't think it's special. Yet, for me, it's it's so obvious, you know. And it's, I guess, you know, that's a good thing that you're humble on that. And it's not an ego thing. Um, so, Anyway, I, I just, I think it's special. Um, so let's go back and let's talk about how you got to where you are. So when you went into direct sales, was it because, you know, again, you have already said that you were shy. Were you forced to, or did you not see a better path? I did not see a better path. I Ooh. made some terrible, terrible life choices uh, up to that, that have affected my life even till today. That really narrowed my uh my opportunities uh, for my future. Um, but I was recruited at a, uh, I was actually recruited at a coffee shop. I was making coffees for a guy. A guy came in and uh, he would talk to me every day about his direct sales opportunity. I'm like, no way, I can't do that. I can't, <laughs> I can't do that. And then um, I finally gave in and I went in. And I'm like, wow, this is really cool. Look at all these people. They're all talking to everybody. And of course, I'm not somebody that talks, right? They're all talking to each other. They've all got money. Like wow, this is something I might be really interested did you, in. Did you did you think though that you weren't good enough? I mean, when that moment when you saw them, was there something different about them? You're saying that they had money and they were talking. Did yeah, they they were all they were all extreme extroverts. All of these guys, you know, okay. sales, salesmen, and I'm like that that was something that uh, being an introvert, I was I was envious of. I wanted to be able to uh, you know freely be able to talk to people like that and be outgoing. And can uh, I ask so one that, more question there? I, yeah. I just because. Did you not see a way if you didn't change to get to that level? Mm, you know, I, I have to say at this point in my life, so I was 26 at the time. I'm now 48. So this is going ways back. But at that time, I did not see a better okay. way. Okay. All right. So you recognize the path that I'm on is going to lead to the path that I'm on. If I want to get on a different path, I'm going to have to make changes. That's important. At 26, that's hard. It's hard to admit. Yeah. I didn't, uh, like I said, I had made a lot of negative life choices. To be honest with you, I think at 26, I wasn't looking uh, too far down the road. <laughs> You're a 26-year-old guy. I don't think many do. I mean, I probably thought 28 was old. Uh, <laughs> thinking, thinking back to where I was Great. at that time. I'm way older. Okay. All right. So, so you saw that. You saw that. You you changed paths, and I think that's a great place for somebody to to pause right now and say, hey. If what I'm doing, if I'm doing RA and it's not working, or I'm doing wholesale, it's not working, or I'm doing private label, it's not working, you know, pull back and say, okay, what's a different path for me? That doesn't mean that all this 
you have to give up. You know, it's funny. I was helping somebody again, as I messaged yesterday, uh, helping them negotiate a deal. And I thought there's a business model here. If you're really, really good at making big deals, and these, this is, you know, big, big deals, many zeros on this deal. If that's your gift, there is a business there where you can help other people. And so you, you might not be the best uh, private label person at Amazon, right? But that doesn't mean you don't have a place. And if you can change paths, but stay in the field, right? Um, when you were selling coffee, or I guess you were serving coffee. Correct. Did you find yourself selling a little bit? I mean, was uh, it yeah, was the owner yeah. of the store trying to get you to yeah. sell? And you? No, actually. So uh, yeah, I I sold myself into that position. Huh, so, there you go. As it sounds. So what's interesting is even at 26, I was still a little bit involved in e-commerce. I, this goes back to when uh, uh, baseball cards and football cards and and those types of things were really popular, and we were doing. Uh, I, I was doing AOL online auctions. Oh man! By email, right? Uh, so a little bit involved in e-commerce and I was able to live off of those baseball cards for, I think it was six months or something, something to that effect. Found myself running out of funds. Every morning I went to this grocery store. Um, they had a little coffee shop set up. She was independent. Um, and one day I walked in and it wasn't there. She was gone. Wow. And I said, what happened? <laughs> you know, and I had gotten to know a lot of the people that, that worked there. Man, what happened? Where'd she go? Well, come to find out uh, she wasn't able to make it and she, she quit. So I, I went up and I talked to the general manager of the store and I said, Hey, look, you know, I know a little bit about coffee. Uh, would you be willing to let me run it? And he did. Really? Yeah. You know, so that was a, how I, I uncomfortable was that? I mean, let's face it. I right? was, I was shaking. I was I was absolutely shaking. <laughs> I was scared to death. But uh, yeah, that, that you know now now thinking back on it, that was a uh, yeah that was a big risk that I took for where I was at in my life at that time. And and those risks, right? After make because I, I get I'm gathering after 26, you started making better choices. Maybe not all great choices. I don't think anybody does. But you've made better choices. When you find yourself at that point where you take that risk. Have you gotten a reward most times? Hmm. Some were learning experiences. Okay. Okay. Is there a common thread to the ones that are just learning experiences as opposed to the successes? Yeah, absolutely. My my own personal choices and habits. Uh, I can rationalize a lot. I know that's when I, you know, hey, sales are going to be great. This pandemic's not going to affect us. This is, you know, that's what I find myself. That's when I start to struggle. How about you? Yeah, this this pandemic was actually quite quite interesting. Um, I hate to say that anything is good, uh, but our business has been uh, doing really really well. But we had to pivot. Of course, the, a lot of our business is FBA, so we had our we had our brick and mortar closed down uh, for a short period of time. And we Mandated, limited limited our hours. We had to find a way to overcome that. We brought PPE in, uh, so we were selling face shields and we we're. Um, we did some uh, fundraising for masks for vets, so we were able to keep our doors open during the pandemic. But then Amazon had the the bulk of our uh, inventory in their warehouses, and of course, they quit shipping out. Um, so we had to pivot to uh, fulfilled by merchant. Wow! And that was uh, it was amazing. It happened almost overnight, um, and so it was absolutely crazy. My wife hate, hated me during this period because she's had to work so hard uh, doing FBM. Uh, as opposed to uh, 
the life we were living before where the bulk of it was FBA. But let me ask you this, because I think this is a great conversation. Um, you now understand that there are circumstances outside of your control, duh, right? Um, and therefore, even though you've put all your eggs in this basket, FBA, let's say, for example, and things can change and you can adjust, you were able to adjust, are you now thinking differently about your business? Because the brick and mortar that might have started to become a noose around your neck became a warehouse, right? An operational warehouse that you could operate out of where a lot of people don't have that opportunity, right? Yep, um, and the other thing is you probably have quite a bit of inventory in the store. I've seen the pictures. Um that you were able to just dip into where others had all their inventory sitting in FBA, right? And they couldn't get it back fast enough, right? I mean, to me, that's an advantage. It is. It is. Another another uh, another key thing that, that got us through that was uh, access to cash. Ah. Right. Uh, so three days before the pandemic, uh, before the lockdown here in our state, uh, we had applied for and, uh, and received uh, a half million dollar lending loan through Amazon. Wow. Planning to use it in a different direction. Uh, we started a second business where we were actually going to start manufacturing some things here in the US. Um, and we bought we bought some equipment and uh, we were planning on moving in that direction. Three days later, the pandemic hits, the money hit my account the day before. So we were able to, uh, we were able to buy pretty deep um, to, you know, to survive through that uh, through that period when a lot of companies were not shipping product out. So, so, so you were pivoting before this, so you were pivoting, you were going to go this other direction, uh, an actual manufacturer, you know, don't say what it is, but you were going to literally manufacture. Yes. Yep. Still and have intentions to do that. We just got put on hold because the, uh, the equipment came from Canada and the guy that is, uh, hired to train me on the equipment lives in Canada. Okay. And so they have to, there's a good delay. Right. Do you, I call it a reset and our business has been a good reset for us. It was a chance for us to pull back a little bit because we were going, going, going. And it hurt us because I, I've said this before in my uh, episodes, our account went under review the day they restricted inventory. Our account went under review and it, they stopped us. First time in, uh, we've been FBA since 2011. First time ever that we've ever had an account, our money frozen, everything was like, whoa, we used to be able to take our money out every day, and now all of a sudden you can't get it. It was like, whoa, what happened? Um, but it, you know, looking back now, it's probably been a welcome reset uh, for us because it's like, okay, pull back. Let's look at what's important. And it's like a, that fight or flight mode for us. We've had to fight. We've had to do things we don't like to do. We've had to, like you said, well, we already merchant fulfilled, but we've now you know, scaled that even higher. And it's not been fun, but we are surviving. And matter of fact, we see a, a clearer path than we've seen in a long time. How about for you? Because you've got all these, and I, I mean, it makes it even more complicated. You're talking about manufacturing. So you've got a retail store. You've got a, a big online presence. You sell many SKUs. And I, I mean, I can't even imagine how many SKUs you do sell. Uh, you've got to deal with the public. You've got employees. And now you're working on this manufacturing. Are the clouds clearer for you now? Uh, they are starting to. Okay. They're, they're starting to, to part. Uh, I hate to say that during the pandemic, we had bright skies. Uh, I, you know, we went through the same emotional roller coaster. I think that everybody did. Um, from, I mean, there was even a period of time where we, we required face masks long before uh, anybody had mentioned requiring face masks for people to come in the store. I mean, we were just as scared as everybody. 
Um, and so I, I would say that they are starting to, uh, yeah, I would say they're starting to clear up. The, the, the thing with having, um, the, the, one, the, one, the one thing that I hold on to is I get nervous when I don't have enough legs holding up my chair. Um, I look wow. at each, I look at Amazon as being a being a leg of my table or my not chair. all of it, not all four legs, just one, just one. Uh, I, I need to have multiple streams of income, uh, and the more streams of income that I have, the more stable my chair is, so that we can pivot much faster. Uh, and it always seems like you know, you have one one uh, one is up, the other might be down a little bit, you know, and so. I like to have uh, a few different streams of, of revenue so that I'm not quite so uh, ad adversely affected if one goes down. Okay, so so would you say half of your legs are um, Amazon or? I would, say, I would say Amazon is the biggest leg of the Okay, table. so it got to three legs of your stool uh, <laughs> on a four-legged stool. Correct, um, and, very, very, and, and, and it happened very, very quickly. Can I ask you something honest? Did mm -hmm. you think retail would be three legs of your stool? If looking back, if you're honest, I, th I, I still, and 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 there are a lot of people that disagree with me. I believe that specialized retail is going to be huge. Well, especially in your industry, I absolutely agree because I'm pretty knowledgeable. I watch YouTube videos. I can read, but hands-on, especially you know, I don't want to say what you sell, but you sell expensive stuff. Um, quality stuff that takes some instruction I think you know if I let's just say I'm buying a lawnmower we'll use that as for example for your product I you know I've researched my lawnmower to death you know I went through the reviews I went there I wish though when I went to the uh, to Home Depot which is probably where I bought mine that there was somebody there who could help me you know and say hey here's really the difference Steve here's what you know blah 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 there's nothing so therefore, I kind of had to poke and hope, you know, that's sure. a miss with what you guys do. It's a big deal, right? I mean, it is. It is. It is. And then on top of that, building a uh, building an experience. Yeah. Because people buy the experience more than they buy the thing. They buy the story more than they buy the thing. This is something that I've been working on uh, doing Facebook videos. Um, you'll, you'll notice most of my Facebook videos do not pertain to selling a product. Um, they pertain more to uh, us, ourselves, our beliefs, uh, the experience uh, that we offer, uh, less so than the product that we sell. Hmm. One of the other things that I think you've really done well is you, your product, let's just go back to the lawnmower example. There's a reason to come back into the store every year with my lawnmower because you're going to do a free tune-up or whatever. And in the meantime, when you're getting my lawnmower fixed, you're going to give me a second lawnmower that I could use those little things how how who came up with that concept about just giving them a reason to come back in and that there's nowhere else to look this is it so it's interesting because we, we've always kept our our Amazon presence uh, I don't want to say hidden from the from the public but we've never tied our Amazon selling and our uh, eBay selling to our brick and mortar even though they both sell the same thing the way we handle them is completely different um, when somebody comes into the store, you have to give them a, an experience, right? They have to have added value. They have to have okay. a reason added value. to not buy from Amazon and to buy from me. And so that's these, these things we build in are added value for our customers. Um, 
so that they have a reason to purchase from me versus uh, buying from Amazon. Now, have you had somebody come in and say, hey, this is a better price on Amazon and it turns out to be you also? Uh, not, no, not so much because, so most of our products are mapped. Okay. So they're going to be the same price in our store that they are on Amazon. Uh, previously, the benefit was sales tax. And we did, we did have a few people that would be like, you know, if I buy it from me on Amazon, I don't have to pay sales yeah, tax. Yeah, yeah. That, that's right. long gone. Well, in theory, they were supposed to pay it as Correct. user tax. Good luck, right? Correct. Um, looking back, do you think that's, I mean, if you had to give somebody advice about going into retail, and I, and I agree with you. I think specialty retail is way different than, you know, opening a Walmart. You can't compete, right? But would you say that finding a high price products be that really enforced map is one of the secret sauces of getting that? Because when somebody buys it from your store, I mean, there's a, at least a high enough margin. To, you know, you don't have to sell a thousand of them a day, I guess. Is that, that kind of makes sense? Correct. Yeah. So and what's the advice? Sure. Make sure you have plenty of complimentary product. Yeah, yeah. I noticed that you have some some products that I never would have thought of, and I thought to myself, "Huh, that's exactly." It does complement. I mean, you know, I, I think you. I'll, I'll go by that one nice display that you have in that area. I'm thinking to myself, "Oh, that's really complimentary." I could see why people would be drawn to that either way for either one of your products, and therefore then probably buy the other. Right? Is that what you've seen? Yes, very much so. Okay, let's talk about family and business. Um, how challenging or non-challenging is it to have family involved in your business? Boy, that is a that is an interesting question. A great, it's a question. loaded question. Always answer. She's smarter. Always. <laughs> <laughs> she is. So you, we were talking about uh, talking about how I am a risk taker. Yeah. Uh, she is, uh, as we were speaking earlier, she is risk adverse. And so early on, so about 2002, uh, is, or excuse me, 2012 is when we really started to, uh, that was the f our first experience with selling on Amazon. Uh, previous to that, we were completely eBay, right? And we, I, I saw an opportunity and we had an Amazon lending loan come across our, uh, come across our um, seller central. And I wanted to take advantage of this opportunity. My wife said, you are going to destroy our business. You're going to destroy my name. I'm going to lose my house. And the loan was not that significant at the time, $17,000. And I sold her and sold her, but it was a, it was a, uh, we, we were definitely conflicting for about two weeks. You know, we're going back and forth and I had to sell her with the numbers on how I was going to make this risk work. Right. And it's interesting because we've taken many Amazon lending loans since then, uh, different sources of cash to be able to buy into opportunities. And her response is always the same. Um, she is still very risk adverse. Um, and I am, let's go, right? And so we've actually hired, I have, I have, a, uh, I have an accountant who is also my financial advisor. And we now run big opportunities past him. Oh, and so I will, I will explain the numbers and then he will either approve or disapprove. And she trusts him enough that if he approves of it, uh, then I get the okay from both. And so now we no longer argue about taking risks. Uh, it's measured risk. And well, well that's, a, uh, that's powerful because then you, you know, that extra blind filter that wants to see success only is going to take away the rationalization that Steve uses because Steve uses rationalization. I've rationalized lots of stuff. So 
has he also helped you, helped her say no? Uh, yes, at times there have been some, and the, you know there was there was one instance uh, that they both said no, and I was stubborn, and I did it anyhow, and I still have fifty thousand dollars worth of that product in my basement, wow. <laughs> gathering dust. That's a humbling so, thing to admit, there, Lloyd. Yeah, well, you know, every you, you swing the ball, you swing the bat, right, and sometimes. Sometimes you miss. Okay, but that that then just adjusts the filter even more, right? The weight, Correct. your weight, you've lost some weight there. Correct. <laughs> if Correct. it's a Lloyd only decision, well, I don't think so. You know, I get it. That's again uh, this experience, right? Um, this life experience filtering in, and now helping you decide. How did you decide to make the decision to go into holes or uh, to manufacturing? Because that's a, you know, let's face it. Uh, one of our big clients is a, a buys huge quantities from China, and their business got decimated like everybody else's because they couldn't get inventory. Their whole supply chain has been affected. Um, has that affected? Or but you were already there prior, decision wise. So only a couple of months prior to. Uh, what was it that went in your mind that said, "Hey, we can make this here and make it"? I mean, was it control? Was it cost? Was it? Yeah, so very interesting. This this product was being manufactured in Canada, and I was buying from the gentleman, and we were selling the product uh, on Amazon. And at the same time, you know, I went to the private label um, right. retreat, and you know, I went to China the year before, and I really one thing that really that I, that I really struggle with is not having a complete control over the quality of the goods. I really struggle with that. You know, I saw the horror stories of guys that get containers full. They thought it was one thing. It ends up being a lesser thing. And I wanted to be able to have control over the quality of the product. Right. So I called the guy up and, and in, in this instance, I did have very good control because the guys up in Canada, they're good people. Eh? And uh, <laughs> we, we, we can, we would converse back and forth and he was very, uh, very consistent with the quality. And I called him up to place an order and he said, I'm actually selling the equipment to the OEM manufacturer or the OEM uh, brand. And I said, no, that, no, you're not, <laughs> that can't be. And I said, you need to, uh, you need to, to, to work this out. Let me know how much you need for the equipment and will you train me on how to use it? And we're going to get it here and I'm going to start making it. So now uh, we have, we have the equipment. We were able to get the equipment here. We have it all set up. Um, and now it's an issue of gathering raw goods um, because some of these goods are used in the production of uh, masks. So uh, it's a matter of moving forward, but uh, it, it's something that uh, I want to have complete control over the quality. And because it's made here in the U.S., I know that we can get a little bit of a premium dollar for it. Is that, yeah, that, I have my little note here. I wrote that down, you know, complete quality over goods. And the advantage you believe is you can get a premium by saying made in the USA, but more importantly, not cheapening out over time, because that's typically what happens, right? Manufacturers typically start to use a little inferior materials, or they need to cut costs as their costs rise, so they cut it in that way, at least in my experience I've seen. Um, yep. And I do have competitors on that product that are uh, importing in from China, and the quality of their goods are nowhere nowhere near uh, the quality that, that we produce. Okay. Is that, um, can you, can you talk about pricing? Um, how, how significant is the price of your manufacturing going to be versus 
what you would get from China imported in. So all the way through, you know, coming on air or, you know, on ship. So on this on this particular item, uh, we will actually be with with the cost of uh, labor. Yep, labor and hiring somebody to to run it. Um, it it actually works out really really close to the same. Okay, and then but then you can quality control. Okay, so so they're not going to have a competitive advantage because they can you know make it for a dollar sixty two versus you nine dollars, right? So the big advantage then um, is just quality. Period. Correct. How did, how did you figure that out? I mean, is that when, cause you, you went to China, you've been looking at a zillion ideas, I'm sure. Um, how did you know that you'd rather do it here? I mean, like, I mean, how did you, how did you go about researching? I guess that's a better, it's kind of stupid the way I ask it, but basically how did you know that the cost was roughly the same? So uh, we did that through Ali, Ali, uh, Alibaba. Or Alibaba. Okay. Yep. So you, yep. you went through, did the research and said, okay, it's $9 to make, I can get it imported from China for $9. And then you found a way to manufacture it. Because when you were buying it from that wholesaler, I'm assuming you were paying a higher price. It was a much higher price because the what, what was interesting, he was actually sourcing his raw goods from the U.S. So his raw goods would go from the U.S. into Canada. Uh, then he would produce the product, and then the raw good, or then the finished product would be shipped back to me in the states. So by cutting all of that out, um, now obviously we're able to get our cost cost down quite a bit. Now I think this is a, a really powerful lesson here. So if you bring a product in, or you start selling a product, you find a good product, and you find a manufacturer, great. But if you can manufacture it yourself, there is a lesson here. Is how thick is the market? I mean, do you have a lot of competitors? Uh, no, okay. I have one or two, one or two, because the the product is not a home run product. Okay, which is interesting. It's a it's a uh, it's a consumable that um, is consistent, but not a home run. Okay, and However, that's what was attractive to you. So, well, yes and no. So uh, we, so I wanted to get involved in private label, but I needed a product um, that I could like have tangibly have control over, and I want my first product. To be a good quality, stable, um, consistent product, right? That sells consistently, and so this is the this is the first product launch, if you will, of our private label brand. Okay. Did you see opportunities to spin off from that? That your manufacturer, the the wholesaler you were buying from, wasn't doing or wasn't willing to do. So we, I've been contacted by a couple of individuals here in the states. Um, that would like me to start once we get the huh. get the uh, equipment up and going. That would like me to start producing uh, some product for them as well. So one of the things we may move into is uh, wholesaling under other private, you know, wholesaling for other people. White label for private. other people, yeah. Correct. Wow, and so that would disperse the cost and therefore downtime and and really start to even it out. Oh, Lloyd, you're a deep thinker. Do you have? Can you see what it looks like in your mind? I mean, are you a visionary like that? Or are you basically, let's solve the problem today and let's see what tomorrow brings? Yes, I wish I was a visionary. <laughs> Unfortunately, I, I, I don't, you know, and this goes back to uh, risk-taking, I don't see failure as an option, you know? Oh. It just, so I have a hard time seeing the, what's the worst possible, <laughs> what's, what's the worst case scenario, you know? Do you have to run, did you run this by that accountant again? I did, uh, and it was a... 30-minute conversation at happy hour 
Uh, <laughs> well, that helps. Oh, a, now we see the influence. All right, yeah, I get it was, you. <laughs> it was not a uh, it was not a hard sell at all. Okay. I mean, the numbers made complete sense. Um, so, I, my I, wife, on the other hand, that took a little extra work. Well, because um, she realizes that she's going to be standing at that machine if somebody calls off sick, right? That's been my biggest fear. We had a chance to do custom work uh, for someone, and we looked hard at it, and we went and looked at the machines and. And what I kept thinking is the day that guy calls off sick, I'm going to have to be standing in front of that machine. So that's why we chose not to do it. That was literally the reason I chose not to do it. Because I'm like, I don't want to stand in front. I, my attention span, I'll, I'll cut my fingers off because I, I just <laughs> I, I just won't be able to pay attention. I'll lean the wrong way and boom, I'm done, you know. Um, why why did she say, why was she hesitant? Let me say it that way. That that exact thing. You you hit the nail right oh, on okay. Her. So she saw the same thing I did. She doesn't want Absolutely. to do it. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Her her question was who, right? Who is going to run the equipment? Who's Plan B, right? And when Plan A fails, right? When that person gets sick, or good example, this quarantine comes on and you can't get workers. Maybe you're not necessary or whatever. Hmm. Do you see it as a way to solidify both and really wrap the e-commerce and the retail brick and mortar together even more? Because a brick and mortar doesn't have to be just for the public, right? Brick and mortar can also be the manufacturing side. Maybe that makes more sense when I say it that way. Yeah, and I wonder now as we're having this conversation, I'm having to uh, having to reflect on my choices. <laughs> I'm wondering if there wasn't a certain aspect of that that wasn't uh, I wanted to have done it. Yeah, you know, it's like driving. Just, yeah, say I've done that. Hmm. Maybe I need to check it off my bucket list. I don't, yeah. I don't know. It's, it's very exciting because, again, I think, well, now with this event going on, I mean, you look like the smartest guy in the world, don't you? Uh, I don't feel that way. No, but you do because you're bringing manufacturer back to the U.S., which is what everybody's trying to do, right? Because they, they need they realize that we've, we've pushed it too far out, right, where you can't control it. So bringing it back and you were able to get the equipment and make that deal – which my bet now is there's no way you could make that deal. Yeah, I, I think it would be really, really difficult to do that now, today. Okay, all right. I want to I want to close up with a couple things that I'd like you to help us with, all right? And I think you've given us some really great points. Is I want to help people move their business forward. So here's somebody who's admitted that he's made some bad choices in life, stumbled along the way, got back up, but pushed through it, and perseverance seems to be the key, right, for you. That's it. There's no way you're going to fail. You're going to figure it out. You're going to figure it out. You're going to figure it out. Um, I think the other powerful thing that I'm going to take away from this is that you added a filter for your wife. You took on, rather than rather than just say, I believe in this, I'm going to do this, you brought in somebody else to help temper that. I think that's very, very smart, where there's, a, there's some external influence on there that's going to double-check Lloyd, because... He's all seven, right? Correct. What else would you say um, for people who are struggling right now? They're probably FBA. They might be private label, wholesale or retail, whatever. And they're trying to pivot their way through here. What advice would you give? I would say know your numbers. Hmm. Uh, this is so important. Um, and this is one thing that over the last four, five, six years that uh, I have really – I, I purchase uh, I, I purchase and use a, a piece of software. I use Feedvisor. Okay. It is a repricer. However, I use it mainly for being able to know my numbers uh, in a matter of a couple of clicks. Right. I, I need to know what my margins are. I need to be able to look to project 
right, what we're going to be doing over the next six months. And if I'm going to take this, or if I'm going to take a story, an opportunity, a risk, and sell it to my advisor and sell it to my wife, I have to have those numbers. So I remember my first year selling on, on eBay, we had no idea if we were making money or not. All we knew was money was coming in and uh, we were buying product and the cash was flowing, right? Uh, but it's really, really important to know what your numbers are, pay for the software, invest in the software so that you know what the numbers are because it's gonna save you from making a bigger mistake down the road. I think uh, that is just so powerful and to know that that's what's now triggered your success. I mean, would you say that that's quite frankly the reason you're having the success you are? I would say at this moment in time, absolutely. And then, you know, you don't get a loan without having good data. You don't get a loan without running a good business, good set of books. Um, and how important is that accountant to your business too? Because that's one thing I see a lot of people struggle with. How important has that been to your business? I have to tell you, it is, it, for us, it was a, it was a pivotal moment hiring an accountant and, and turning that over, but it was also one of the most liberating um, things that we've done is, is, uh, it's, it's worth it. And now, now I, I pay for the software, I hire the accountant, you know, you hire people to do things that A, either eat up too much of your time or B, you're not good at, right? So that you can focus on the things that you love to do and things that you are good at. So that pain is gone. That part is gone. That worry, that stuff that keeps you up at night. That you have your own, you know, circumstances to worry about other than that. And that just gets rid of some of it. Powerful. Okay. All right. I want to uh, close with uh, one question I'm going to have. But uh, if somebody has a follow-up question, especially about brick and mortar, and I think, I think Lloyd's a good example of one that's working, and he's going to make it work. He, he would say it's a work in progress. But I think, because I've heard a lot of people say, oh, I'm just going to open one up just so I can get wholesale accounts. Um, I don't think that's a good business model. I think that's kind of disingenuous. I think you should do it because you want to serve people, right, in, in that way. Um, well, I have but, to agree with that 100%. Yeah, because it, otherwise it's just going to be, it's not going to, it's just going to be empty, right? Um, but the way you can utilize your facility for to do more things, I think, is one of the smartest things that you're doing right now is you were taking that space that you probably used to have tons of inventory that you probably don't need as much anymore because of the way, you know, the markets are, that you can utilize that space to make money. Um, remember the old retail stores, the way they would look at every every uh, shelf is, you know, real estate and they would, you know, value the real estate. You're doing that with, with your store. I just think it's so impressive and it's so smart. Um, I hope more people are going to do it. Um, we think about it every day. I mean, we literally have this talk every day in my warehouse uh, for exactly that same reason. All right. So best way to get in touch with you if somebody has a follow-up, can I put your Facebook contact? I think my Facebook contact would be the best. Okay. All right. I'll put that out there for you. Okay, Lloyd. Um, a lot of people get stuck. You've been stuck in your life. You push past it. Give me the best piece of advice to say, Steve. Here's what you need to do to push past stuff. I think you already covered it. The key word is do. Oh, just do it. Just do it. Lloyd, I think you got a moniker for the store. I think you've got a tagline for the store. Just do it. <laughs> hey, I thank you so much. It might be used. I, yeah, it might be used. I, I really thank you so much. I know you're busy. I know you got, you got, well, we already heard it. You got a lot of moving pieces. You got a lot of responsibility, but you're managing through it, Lloyd. That's what's so impressive to me. I love it, love it, love it. Thank you so awesome. much. I wish you nothing but success. Take care. Again, how great is that?
I, I told you it's going to be a good one. You know, just a terrific guy who's pushing, 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 and is going to be successful despite of what's happening to him. Can you relate to that? I sure know I can. Um, you know, the challenges of running a big warehouse, the challenges of running a, you know, a seven-figure business, but multiple channels, and the, the challenge of having employees, and the challenge of having grandkids that want my time, the challenge of illness shutting us down, the challenge of getting out there and buying, the challenge of cash flow this time of year, right? The challenge of Amazon restricting our space, our storage space, our ability to send in, the challenge of uh, eBay now keeping our money for weeks on end and then eventually giving it to All those are challenges. And Lloyd is a perfect example of somebody who's going through the same challenges and yet can push through them. So therefore, I can push through them because I'm inspired by Lloyd and I, I've learned so much from him. So I hope you have too. That's kind of the approach I'm taking in again. And I have this new series coming out. And I'm, I'm really excited about it. So if you know somebody who you'd like to see interviewed, um, just message me and uh, I'll reach out to them because um, I, I love a story. I just love a, a story of life. It doesn't have to be this rags to riches every single time. It could be a way out there and then falling really far, but then getting back up. Um, I love those stories too. So ecommercemomentum.com, ecommercemomentum.com. Take care. Thanks for listening to the e-commerce momentum podcast. All the links mentioned today can be found at ecommercemomentum.com under this episode number. Please remember to subscribe and like us on iTunes.